And after SummerSlam, he's going to realize that the champ is here! You have it all wrong. Tonight, you will get an answer to your challenge, but only when Roman Reigns decides to come out and show you that the ch tribal chief is Good shit. Late to every episode. Late so much, I'm going to have to buy you a pregnancy test. Bob Rude. <laughs> I want to be a podcaster. Yay! Because my name is Kenta. I'm going to call him Kenta. Dynamite drop in, Monty. That broadcasting school is really paying off for you. <laughs> That's a bold statement, Cotton. Oh my god, mine just stopped recording. No, we're good. We're still recording. What a dick. <laughs> I'd cease and assist me. I'd cease and assist me hard. I need a minute to recover off that. What kind of game is it? War games! Let a war! War game! You are impressionist. I have, yeah, I know. That's the only thing I've said in the last half hour. Bark, Bark like, like a, a dog. dog. <laughs> oh! Oh! Oh, jinx! Holy shit! How did that actually happen? Here we go. May not be a smart man, but I know what wrestling is. Because it's Wednesday, and you know what that means. It's time for the Top of Wrestling Podcast. We're back, ready for another episode. This week we have a top topic. We have a reliving Monday Night Wars history 25 years later. And we got some great big news to talk about this week, so... Not going to bother swimming too much into the deep end until I bring our uh, our co-host in, ladies and gentlemen, ODM. Have you found Jesus yet, Professor? Uh, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. <laughs> Wait, is that the right response? <laughs> yeah, sir. <laughs> yeah, the sir on at the end, and yeah, you're good. Yeah, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him, sir. <laughs> that's a... That's... There's so many stupid lines in this movie that I don't even know. Tex, like, he was from Mississippi. <laughs> Utah, he was from Oregon. <laughs> Tex, I don't know where Tex is from. <laughs> I, I butchered it. You get the idea. You know what? Though. That's all right. You should just go back to Greenbow, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a dick. Like, it's such a dick way of saying Alabama. He was saying Alabama as in, go fuck yourself. <laughs> mm -hmm, pretty much. 
Well, you know that we're probably dabbling in some quotes of a movie this week. We'll see how long it takes you to figure it out, you know. The good thing about ODM and myself, we're like peas and carrots. We're really good when it comes to quotes. We're we're side by side. Last week, oh, that was a fun one. It was gun streaking. Old school. You got a little Will Ferrell classic with Vince Vaughn. One of the Wilson brothers that doesn't go, oh, wow. Yep. That guy. <laughs> the one that doesn't, oh, wow. <laughs> the one without the schnoz. Right? Dude, that's really like, ab- like, he's like, no, I like it this crooked. We're going to keep it this way. <laughs> All right, never mind. He has nothing to do with this week's movie. Um, but we do appreciate if you guys are listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, Pandora, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. As always, subscribe, like, share, because each week we love bringing you good wrestling, good flicks. This week's top topic is probably one of my favorite things to talk about, SummerSlam. It is the top 25 matches in SummerSlam history. Why I say it's one of my favorite times is I think that I probably bought Next to WrestleMania, I would say SummerSlam is probably the most bought pay-per-views that I've ever got. I mean, and I love Royal Rumble, but maybe I went to other people's houses. But SummerSlam to me, something about, it used to be on, like, you know, Saturday nights. Like, this year is going to be, actually, which is great. Uh, this year, you know, we have Reigns and Cena. I will just kind of dabble into the news for a second because it's not technically a part of it, but... Reigns turned down Cena this past week, and then Finn Balor showed up. Now, let me ask you, what are the odds you think of a triple threat at SummerSlam? Would it work, or do you think it's just not worth doing a triple threat because of the two big names of Reigns and Cena? Yeah, I don't think it's going to work. I mean, I don't think it should work. It should just be Reigns and Cena. They can involve Balor into the lead-up and say, oh, if you beat Balor, then... But I don't like that because I don't want Balor losing. Um, but they've already shown us that, especially with Reigns, they're not afraid to just throw a wrench in the plans and just make it a three-way, i.e. Daniel Bryan. So if they've done it once, it's lazy booking. It's WWE. I wouldn't be shocked for a second. You have excellent segue uh, (laughs) skills, my man, because the biggest news of this week, you know, I I was, you know, chatting SummerSlam, and the reason I brought that up was just kind of the top of my mind, but the biggest news... Of this week is that I mean, we've already got the idea that Daniel Bryan may be AEW bound, but it just doubled down that it's pretty likely that it's not just Daniel Bryan showing up, and we'll talk about where he's rumored to show up, but also seven years in the making, CM Punk. CM Punk and let me tell you something for about a good year I was that guy oh he's gonna show up oh, he's gonna show I right, here's the one right and I you slowly start to back off and go it's just not gonna happen yep so I'm extremely skeptical right now I'm not sure your your personal thoughts on it but CM Punk does troll the internet wrestling community by using the Chicago Bulls theme song. It was a, uh, who was it? The, the cure? No. Um, I don't even know the band. doesn't matter. 
Right, but the do 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 the do 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 do, and because that's it's in Chicago, Chicago Bulls all out. All right, I've been you and you've actually stayed the most silent out of this because Nightwing and myself we chat a little bit in our group message, and uh, but you've stayed the most silent. And is it because you just? You're like, yeah, I'm skeptical. I don't believe. Or you saved it for here. Your floor. Saved it for here. Uh, A couple things. So uh, you and I did talk briefly about this. Uh, Right now, plans are in place for, let's start calling him Brian Danielson, uh, to make his debut at Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium on September 22nd, which is one week before the show in Rochester. So well, I'm going to get what, more into- weeks after all out weeks after all out. So AEW is actually running three events at Chicago's now arena. The first week of September dynamites on the first, they're going to have rampage on the third and then all out on the fifth. Uh, he's likely not going to show up at the first two events. It's likely going to be all out and it'll likely be at the end of the show. I would think um, Tony. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll actually get into that later. Yeah. So Brian Danielson is great. He'll have, he'll be happy. Likely you're going to get an unlimitless supply of possible matches and mat- they're going to be matches that he wants. So his heart's going to be in it and it's likely going to be fantastic across the board. And one of the reasons that they're talking about him signing with AEW is he can work in new Japan. Imagine exactly. Daniel Bryan in new Japan, the matches he could have. And, well, and let's just say AEW will take the obvious of Kenny Omega off the table and sure. with new japan we're going to take the obvious of okada off the table i say obvious because it'll happen i'm sure there's no reason you would put him in a company and not give him your best star imagine daniel bryan versus jungle boy or brian danielson versus jungle boy brian danielson versus mjf kota abushi um, and then yeah, see think and i say shingo takagi Kota Ibushi, even a Hiroshi Tanahashi, which Jericho just claimed. He goes, I put him up there with, I think he put him up there with someone like The Undertaker, as in like he is just that much of a icon, a class act, a professional wrestler at that. And and that was Jericho's last match, which was at... uh, Wrestle Kingdom 12, 13, one or the other. I can't remember with that numbers, but yeah. maybe 13. 13, I think. Yeah. But you put Daniel Bryan in this situation, he's got a lot of options. CM Punk, that's the one I'm curious about talking about. I want to know if, is he going to be a two to three match Brock Lesnar nostalgia act? Or is he going to be a full-time wrestler? I don't think full-time. So Jericho is full-time. Even if you're doing promos, he's full-time in the road or on the road. I don't see Punk doing it. So what's the attraction of bringing Punk into AEW right now? Well, he becomes the attraction, right? You, you. Because ultimately, if he's not going to be full-time, you're going to debut him at All Out. Or you debut him on Dynamite, and you put him in a match. That seems like a waste. That's a waste. It is a waste. waste. It is a waste. So then what you can probably do is kind of 
it's too hard, right? Because you don't want to what between I don't know what's after all out. Uh, I don't know if it's like uh, anyway, whatever one it is, whatever the next pay per view is for AEW. You kind of got to keep him on TV at least like every other week leading up to it so you can build towards his match. You can't put him on TV for like the next week or two and then take him off TV and then put him back on a week or two before. That's just nonsensical. So you got to think at least for this run, he's going to do sort of a Jericho-esque thing where he's probably not going to wrestle at all on TV. Maybe he hits a move. Maybe he hits a GTS. Um, but you just I'm build fine to the that. pay-per-view. A- absolutely, absolutely, just to get to see him. Now, here is what I would do. So... We said the next pay per view. It's not Revolution, is it? What's after? It's I don't know. There. October or no. oh, uh, um, 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 full gear. Full, full gear. gear happens in like November, I believe. Okay, October, November. If this is if I'm Tony Khan, I debut Daniel Bryan in Chicago. And just as he puts the mic to his mouth, I hate to do the Triple H. Undertaker thing that happened several years ago for them to have their their match at WrestleMania, but before he could even say anything, bam! Whether it's cult of personality or um, AFI's song that he used it in Ring of Honor, right? It, it's to me that's what you do. I mean, you, the double pop, go for both, hit it hard, and then you build towards a match of Daniel Bryan and Punk. Well, you got your shot, your opportunity. You walked away, this and that. But whatever the case could be, you could build with what you just said. A GTS here, low blow, this, that, whatever the case is. Daniel Bryan can go out and start fighting. That's fine. Punk, I'm okay. He has his first match at full gear. We're building, we're building, and I'm I'm in. That's how I would do it. I wouldn't put Punk against anyone. That's what I'm trying to say. If you put him against Daniel Bryan, money, it's there. If Daniel Bryan went against Kenny Omega, I'm fine. Guevara, MJF, anybody. To me, Punk is out of place. I think. And it's sad for me to say because I'm a huge Punk fan. Right. So here's some interesting things to think about. Uh, one of the ult- ultimate other things that you know people are pointing at, at as a sign that he's definitely there. Uh in Living Color, the band who does Cult of Personality, uh, great band by the way. I was uh, like, you can do what you want to be <laughs> in Living Color. Not that Sorry, one. Sorry, <laughs> I got into the Wayne thing. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, more like well, the we Glamour Boys. That. But uh, <laughs> their Twitter started following AEW. So obviously that could be something. Mm-hmm. Now we know that Tony Khan is not adverse to spending bucks to acquire music rights. Here's an interesting thing, though. Mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan's music in WWE, while that p- particular version is produced by WWE, it's, I believe it's Ride of the Valkyries. They can use the same fucking music for Daniel Bryan. If I were Tony Khan, go to the original American Dragon ah. Brian Danielson music. Either Europe's Final Countdown or even offsprings keep them separated. Either one was badass for him, but I will say, if he came out to final countdown, just imagine if you hear, yeah. you're going to lose your shit because you know it's Daniel Bryan because that was his old 
American Dragon theme. There's so many ways we can go with this. Now, we talked about it off air. We haven't 100% figured out the logistics, the statistics, and everything else in between. We think we're probably going to do a live reaction recording for All Out. I think we are in for something big in Chicago on September 5th. So, ODM and myself will be seeing you or hearing you there. That's our plan. That's what we're, you'll be hearing us. That's our plan. But let's move from the punk and Brian theories. Let's talk about real news, real things that are going on right now. Um, what a deflating. I, look at, I, let me say something. I do everything I can. I do everything I can to not swear on this podcast. And that sounds weird, right? But like, I want to not necessarily. Wish you weren't keep such a liar, kids. No, but hang on. I'm saying I'm not. I'm not trying to keep it clean for kids, but it's not good for our image, our publicity to just keep swearing. But what the fuck were you doing on Raw? What the fuck? Okay. Jesus, take over, ODM. I can't fucking take these motherfucking fucks these fucks that are writing on these this has nothing to do with the movie we're even doing this week might as well i be, know right <laughs> uh, joe pesci with they fuck you with the cell phone they fuck you on raw they fuck you on smackdown and nxt please yeah. tell me what happened on raw this week why i'm a yeah. little upset so uh i'm gonna well i'll get there i'll get there okay so carrying cross made his raw debut keith lee finally returned um I'm going to give you what happened. Great headlines. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to give you the just a, like one sentence breakdown of what happened. Uh, hmm. And then I'm gonna, I'll I'll get into it a little bit. Uh Karrion Cross fought Jeff Hardy and lost under 2 minutes. Did not have Scarlet with him. Keith Lee lost to Lashley in around 6 minutes uh and they basically used it just to set up the Goldberg segment. Um it wouldn't be a sh- it wouldn't be a top wrestling episode if I didn't reference Jim Cornette, so I'm going to reference Jim Cornette. Uh, they were talking about both these matches, and uh, great, uh, Brian Last was actually, you know, kind of telling them. And Cornette's responses, I thought, were very interesting. I don't think okay. I agree with one of them, and I'll start with that one. He said Karrion Cross wasn't with Scarlet. He's going to come back with Scarlet, and he's going to start ripping through people. I, it's an interesting theory, and I certainly trust his point of view. I don't think that's it. I think it's just fucking. We saw it with Walter and the Summer and Survivor Series match. We saw it with Keith Lee the first time around. I just I don't see it. I don't know what it is. Have you seen the the meme of this badass dragon serpent and it says carrying cross in NXT <laughs> and then it's the Google T Rex, the 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 eight bit Google T Rex carrying cross on Raw. That's basically and WWE. Says, they still look at NXT as a developmental brand, not its own brand, and they fucking bury everybody except Tony Storm. She's now on SmackDown and she's a babyface apparently. Uh, and Vince loves her. I wonder why. I, I've heard that SmackDown has actually done better with their NXT call-ups, and I'll, I'll give you that. But that's funny you bring up the meme. One meme I saw was a picture of Karrion Cross looking like a dragon or whatever, like a badass dude, and then just a regular picture of Karrion Cross coming out on Raw. And it said, what you have to beat in the 2K game versus <laughs> what he's really like when you end up using him in the game after you beat him and you can use him as a playable character. Um, yeah. go, oh, my God. Nailed Fuck. it. Nailed That's it. Dead on. Yo, and not only did Hardy beat him, he beat him with his feet on the ropes. Like, 
What what story were you telling? You couldn't use any other jobber for the night for each guy to do in two minutes. That would have been your your couple minute match. And let's go back to Keith Lee. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and you fed us Keith Lee to get his ass kicked. Oh wait 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 wait! In his hometown, you wait until the fucking dude comes home. Well, they're used like, to that. They do that all the time, where they book the you know. Fuck that. Yeah. All right. We've been waiting for Keith. Keith for a long time. If he came out and was on TV every 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 week, no problem. And he lost in his hometown, fine, no problem, no qualms. He has been missed and waited for. And you made Lashley make him look like Alpo pretty quick. Oh, that'll come back later. But he just, oh, it was annoying. And then Goldberg, ah, I'm next. Ah. So the official- really sad. I got to say this real quick. Did you happen to think when you watched the video, were you like, okay, those Goldberg sounds are piped in at some point. I saw some live videos of guys in the crowd holding cameras when he came out. People really do actually cheer for that old fucking bastard. I don't get it. So that's it. Okay. Any yeah. your thoughts? Yeah. So, <laughs> so the official story is that Keith Lee was out for a medical reason and that there was no creative differences. Um, I'm going to disagree with that one too, because Vince McMahon's obviously sending a message to this dude for you to lose on your first night back. Yeah. Yo, you just, you just changed the game here. All of a sudden you just threw some glasses on. <laughs> You look like you're ready to go tactical. Getting old, Sorry. man. I got, I no got one can blue... see that right here. <laughs> got these blue blockers, man. Got to protect my eyes, you know? <laughs> Your mama sure does care about your schooling, son. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, I love that. Hey, you know where he fought? In Viet fucking Nam! <laughs> Oh man, totally right. off the totally off the movie, but you know, kind of like how we sometimes happen to use our Simpsons and or Family Guy references. Here's a good Family Guy one for you. Okay, I'll raise our AIDS, baby. I don't remember that one. Oh, it's Jenny's like, I'm sorry, I can't be with you anymore. I got to go do this. He's like, that's okay. I'll stay here, mobile one, and raise our AIDS, baby. Yeah. There's that. Speaking of, though, did you happen to see the John Cena Homer Simpson with a toupee meme? No. (laughs) I don't know if it was really Cena or not, and it said, stop sending me the shit, I'm going to get a haircut. Because his hair is really long, but it looks like when Homer Simpson has that comb over. Fantastic. I just... Let me say this about John Cena. I'm about to mark out about the dude. You ready? Did you happen to see... The Cena summer tour that WWE let out in like they they gave like basically a whole listing of everywhere John Cena is going to be this summer. Mm. Did you see that list? I I heard about it. I haven't seen the list, but I've heard about it. It's like every SmackDown, every other Raw and a bunch of live shows. To me, I'm like, you know what, man, you come back, you come back. And he's not just like, yeah, I'll just do a couple TV appearances and walk off. He's doing live events, and I think it's because 
obviously post COVID everything going on. I just think like he even appreciates getting back in front of the crowd, but the fact that he's doing all those different dates and a lot of them are just random live shows. Good for you. I'm actually, I'm how many, how many live shows has Brock Lesnar done in the last decade while being back? Maybe two. Yeah. I was going to say five at the high end. And it was both, and probably all five of those were like MSG, like things like that. They don't, right. but Cena's doing like Sioux Falls, Idaho, like he's <laughs> in random areas. I like it. Good for him. Now, what else happened this week? Because we had a very busy week. Yeah, there was a lot of shit that happened on Dynamite. Uh, so I'll start with this one. Uh, Lance Archer and John Moxley had a Texas death match in the main event for the IWGP US title. Fucking Archer won. Did not see that one coming. I didn't either. Regaining the title. Um, and I'm I'm not sure if it was on camera or off camera once it went off air, but Moxley hands the title to, to Archer, and I thought that was a just a cool moment. But I if I'm not mistaken, it may have been off camera. But just Archer winning? Thank you. We've been dying for a decent push, a good win for this man on Dynamite. We got it, finally. That was awesome. Dude, the barbed wire, the chairs, everything they did. Yeah. They brought they brought some hardcore shit to Dynamite this week. Honestly, it was almost better than their match in New Japan on Wrestle Kingdom. I, that match was I, so underwhelming. I still remember that one being like, eh, yeah. all right, here. I felt like they were fighting for something. Exactly. That's the yeah. idea. Good match. But there was more after the match. And I know I'm going to butcher his name. Hikileo showed up. Do you, are you familiar with him? you familiar with him? I am not. You are not familiar. Okay. Well, let me tell you a little something about Hikileo. He's in Bullet Club, and he's the son of Haku. Oh, and I'm interested. He's a Go big on. boy. He showed up in his Bullet Club shirt and called out Lance Archer. Okay, so that's why he okay he did that post dynamite, and I saw his picture, and I was like, "Is that what is, is that like Tamatanga or Tongaloa?" That's what Close I thought. Enough. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Uh, so we'll get we'll get into more than that here in a second, but. Uh, also, uh, Andrade has a new advisor, and that is Chavo Guerrero. Thank fucking guy. Get rid of fucking Vicky and Chavo. Dude, you know he can fucking heal that shit up. He's great on the mic. Yep. Very. I, he's always been very fluent on the mic. And I, when I say that, no stuttering, no bullshit, no botches. When he's out there, you give him a script, he's on it. You give him bullet points, he's on it. Vicky, I think she'll still be maybe within the area, and that's fine. But putting Chavo in here, I absolutely love it. It's giving just that little bit of a rub to Andrade. Doesn't need it, but I like it. Huge huge moment for that. Hells yes. Uh, This one will probably blow by because there's really not a lot of details. It's just kind of a report slash innuendo at this point, but... It's uh, that WWE are planning to hold a Queen of the Ring tournament later this year. Uh, they should. They should do fucking. You can do one. 
you know, in like December and one in June. You know, one for Dude, the men's. Come on. What? You already know who's going to win. If it's the queen of the ring, the very first ever, I could guarantee everything I have in my life. It's going to be Charlotte. <laughs> yes. Do drop. I don't know, man, because. Yes, it obviously makes sense. You better tuck that in. You might get that cut on a tripwire. <laughs> that that was poorly timed. That was not. Was. I was. I was. Yeah. Well, you know what they say. Anyway. Well, like I said, we can blow I by that I just think one. that if they, do, if they do a queen of a ring, I think it's going to be Charlotte is going to win it. Just personal. But how... Weird is it that last week we have our recording and we're like, well, hey, good for Nikki Cross. Let's see where she goes. Girl cashes in the day that we record our show. She she cashes in and becomes women's champion Uh, on Raw. Yeah, I forgot about that. It was dude. Let me ask you, did you see how oddly timed it was now? Rhea was beating up Charlotte, and just as she was about to do her the move where you put the the arm through the leg and you flip them up in the air, put them on their back, Rip whatever tied. you want to call it. Yeah. Well, she hadn't even fully gotten her into the move in Nikki Cross's song hit, and you see the ref go, and all of a sudden Rhea picks Charlotte up and puts her in the ring, and I was like. Well, they didn't do that in good timing. I'm like, couldn't you wait for the move to at least finish? Like, let her get hit with the move? But, yeah, Nikki Ash is your new women's champ. I'm not going to call her A-S-H. Nikki no. Ash. <laughs> Nick Ash. Nick Ash is your new women's champion. You know what? You wouldn't believe if I told you. She could run like the wind. She was running. <laughs> I want to run past this whole discussion. All right, right on. Because guess what? There's a new heel in town, ladies and gentlemen. Holy the crap. Best part of the news that we've left to the end is right now, everyone can say that MJF is the absolute best heel in wrestling. And that's probably true. But I think MJF also has a pretty boy complex, and I don't think he would get his body as damaged as Matt Cardona, former Long Island, whatever his name was, the internet champion, Zack Ryder, woo, woo, woo. We talked about him about a month ago walking into GCW and uh, making the whole crowd think he was John Moxley. Did a good job, too. Oh, God, the moves. It's the whole shoulder shrug. If you can get Moxley's moves down, that's where it's at. But to the point where Nick Gage offers Ryder Cardona a match, and they have it at GCW's homecoming this past Saturday night, and we have a new world champion in Matt Cardona. Wow. I haven't seen a, a crowd get as pissed. Since, Since Hogan, Hogan and Bash at the Beach. I'm so glad you just said that. Bro, Ryder couldn't stay in the ring for more than a minute solid because as soon as he won, the crowd was like, are you 
fucking kidding? And they threw every beer bottle, everything they had in the ring. He got clocked a couple times, too. Oh, he did. And he flips off the crowd and walks off. Dude, did you see the amount of blood he was pouring from, like, the back of his bicep area, um, like, near his armpit? Mm -hmm. There's pictures that Chelsea Green, you know, his fiance. Mm -hmm. Wait, they married or just fiance? Who the fuck cares? They're fucking. Doesn't matter. Yeah, (laughs) they be fucking. It don't matter. I think I ruined your roommate's bathrobe. All right. No, he he sat next to a bunch of girls in home mech all the time. But, no, Matt Cardona, look, there's some pictures he put up, and I think it was in a hotel room or something. There's bloodstains, like, on sheets, like him trying to get bandaged up that Chelsea Green put up. And, uh, yo, he is... You, everybody can say whatever they want. Hey, he was a homegrown guy. He's this, that, whatever. That's a tough motherfucker because I, I'll i take maybe at best in my life, if you hit me, I'll take one of those light bulb hits to the body, but I want to be fully clothed <laughs> with wherever you're hitting me. He was gushing blood. Rightfully so, wearing a tank top, so it gets completely crimson red, which I love. But the crowd was all over, man, flipping him off, hating him. He was trying to walk to the ring, and people were grabbing on and hitting him. And you hear him going, get the fuck off me. He had security walk him to the fucking ring. If you have not watched this, you got to go watch it. Zack Ryder, as you may have known him, is never, ever going to be Zack Ryder. I will forever know him as Matt Cardona. That man became something that WWE, WWE would have never, ever, ever let him look like. Nope. The promo Nick Gage said, you see that dude to my body? What do you think I'm going to do to you, motherfucker? I was like, oh, man, I'm in for this main event match. So if you have not watched it, get yourself out there. Watch Cardona, Gage, Homecoming, CZW. Holy shit. Nothing I would have expected. Oh, you ready to, uh, oh, we got, we got some matches coming up here. When's, uh, you got some things you want to talk about? Some matches coming up? Yeah, we got an AEW fight for the Fallen tonight. Uh, so we're going to get that match. It's going to be Chris Jericho versus Nick Gage. It's like the second, uh, Beatitude or whatever the fuck he's calling them. Uh, MJF. The laborers. The laborers, yes. All the laborers. So Jericho versus Nick Gage and a no DQ Which is kind of very... Look at, but we're gonna say the word is very uh, not religious, but it's it's like his disciples. That's what his laborers are, the disciples of MJF, the guys that he is putting in line to fight Chris Jericho. All the men that he's lining. It's just to me, I'm I'm kind of curious who the third, fourth, everybody is. Like, if you pull out Nick Gage this early in the game, where are we going? Yeah, it's weird, man, because he kind of did this with Cody already. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> no, it's just kind of. Hope he does the whippings with... again. Uh, Jericho said, uh, it, they, at the end of the show, he uh, displayed himself as the his pain maker character from New Japan. So that's who we will be seeing tonight. The only thing I had an issue with that is okay. He was cool. He looked. He had the badass jacket. He turns. He has the makeup. Puts the hat on. You just didn't need to do that weird mouth thing at the end where you go. <laughs> and he held it for too long. I was like, 
gross. Stop. Someone go to fade. <laughs> something. Do something. Stop. That was it. <laughs> so a few more matches. We got uh, an elimination match. It's Kenny Omega, Good Brothers, Young Bucks versus Adam Page, Alex Reynolds, John Silver, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson. Uh, so if Page and the Dark Order win, they both win shots at the titles. Uh, that'd be the world and tag teams. Uh, so, yeah. So it's going to be interesting. I So it's a tough one because are we going to get Omega and Page and the Bucks versus the Dark Order? Like, I don't want the Bucks versus the Dark Order. You know what I mean? I do. I do, yeah. and I will say why. We already got it. We already had it once. Or twice. Okay. But what if on this one, this is how the Dark Order officially wins the tag titles? Paige doesn't win the world title. That's fine. But Dark Order finally beats the Young Bucks. The whole point of the Young Bucks holding these titles right now as the pricks that they are is you need to put someone over. I'll take. I will take the Dark Order if they go over in that. Uh, I don't like it. All right, skeptical Susan. All what right, skeptical Susan. Bury that one. You can take that one and take this one. My mama's titties. Bury them deep underneath the sea, where even Jack Cousteau can't find that motherfucker. Is that the number nine? No, it's a number four. Uh, I'll tell you a tag team match. A tag team match that I do want to see is FTR versus Proud Powerful. We're getting that. Hell tonight. yeah! So that's going to be a good match. Uh, so I told you. Uh, Hikulio showed up. Uh, he'll be taking on Lance Archer for the IWGP US title. That's going to be an interesting one. Hopefully, Archer's not a transitional champ. Um, and then we get Christian Cage, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus versus Angelico in Private Party. I fucking hate Angelico, so I really don't want to see this match. Uh, and then Tony Khan's going to make a special event announcement. Uh, this could be about them being in Chicago. It could be any number of things. So uh, I'm sure it's going to be... yeah. You have Popcorn to fart. do the best with what God gave you. And that's what Tony Khan is going to give us tonight. All right. It was a movie quote. <laughs> I don't, I get you ever dream, Professor, about who you're going to be? <laughs> is there an answer I need to give you back? I got you. No. <laughs> if I stumped you. All right, I'm bring it to the table. <laughs> Just bring it, bitch. If I'd have known that was the last time I was going to talk to Professor, I would have thought of something better to say. <laughs> ba ba ba. Shrimp. <laughs> All right. I know uh, last week it was a little underwhelming with my bring it to the table. I mean, I thought it was sage words of wisdom, but, you know, it wasn't a true bring it to the table. Uh, we kind of tear to my eyes what kinda, it did. <laughs> um, I want to talk about AEW. And the show in Rochester. This is, we've been talking about this for a year and a half now. Um, and I don't even want to get into the whole Brody thing. Like that in itself is just a tragedy. Uh, and I don't want to dwell on that. Um, but, you know, not only that, there, there was Matt Hardy. Um, and the show's been rescheduled several times. Now we're going to have this show a week after... Brian Danielson is purported to be making his AEW debut. And if Punk, Punk's going to debut a few weeks after that. So we may not get the debuts, uh, but goddamn, please at least give us something. 
and make sure that either Punk and or Danielson are there. Give us something. Put on a hell of a show. Make this one special. Um, I don't. And, and you know, if if they mention his name before the cameras start rolling, and kind of do you know run the video package, that's cool. Um, but I don't want the whole episode to just be like we're in Rochester. This is where Brody's from. We're just gonna celebrate him all. You know what I mean? I don't want another. You know, do a I don't quick think thing. they would. I think they'll acknowledge it yes but i don't think they'll do much on it good uh so yeah so like that's my bring it to the table because it's there's a lot of potential for them to say like listen you know you guys lost out hard because i think we were like only the second show that got canceled like they were right there we were right there in the first yeah so yeah that's you know there's potential now with punk and danielson and everything else that's going on you know with the crossover between talent and promotion could you imagine Okada in Rochester, New York? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the smallest crowd he's ever been. In, huh? <laughs> exactly. But I'm going to pray on that for you, okay? And while I pray, I want to say, dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far, far away from here. You know who else can fly? Nightwing. He's got an extra shit this week. What? Nobody in the whole building but us, Nightwing. Wing. Huh? It's Nightwing. Really? Huh. Guess I was thinking of that goofy mullet you used to have. Yeesh, that was like a whole decade of bad hair days. This is such good shit. Hey everybody, this is Nightwing. I got a little something special for you today because I've been having private conversations with the other hosts of the show and basically um, they wanted me to put down my predictions because I've gotten a lot of stuff right that we privately talked about and um, just so uh, I can say I told you so when it comes out. So we wanted to have a record of it and not have to search, you know, three seasons of this show. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about the head of the table angle, which I know I've spoken on a few times, the A&OA bloodline thing and everything like that, which, by the way, me and the professor do disagree. They be He believes that WWE was using the term bloodline to, to talk about this back in 2016. I do not believe that was true. I think they were calling it the destiny or the dynasty. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that. I would have to do a lot more research to find that because that would it, that definitely sounds like something um, Vince McMahon would do. Either way, um, I know I coined it on a good shit while back and thought I was the first to call it that. So, but anyway, we're gonna move on. You know, The Rock actually is technically in lineage for the Samoan royalty and the kingdom and the chiefdom. With him, with Roman Reigns doing the big head of the table thing, the big money match obviously is him versus The Rock. Now, originally I thought that was going to be a SummerSlam thing coming out of COVID, but it definitely looks to be planned for WrestleMania next year so they can build it up. Now, I'm a little concerned there with them running this whole thing for so long and not really changing much about it, not really having any big, big moments. Okay, John Cena's match, the match with Goldberg, potentially whatever, or what, or whoever just decides to show up. Yes, that could do a little bit of excitement with it, but I'm a little bit concerned about that of, of the length of it going, just because wrestling fans have um, short attention spans. Period. So that was one thing on it. The other thing is obviously we just witnessed that money in the bank that the Usos got the tag titles back. 
Now, the reason that that is significant is because obviously when you're running a rough shot faction, you want all the belts to be in one place, all in all in the family, as uh, they would say in Fast and Furious. But that's, you know, I'm glad that that happened. That I definitely predicted that probably um, midway through last season. The next thing was is, well, when they created the women's tag team belts, this was all just starting off very slowly. And I was like, you know what? There's enough A-N-O-A women to have the tag belts. So then we're going to have Nia Jax and Tamina Snuka team up and get the women's tag belts. And then they're going to go and join the tribe. And what did we have just happen last week? Naomi was moved to SmackDown, who is, of course, Jimmy's wife. So guess who's going to be in line for the, the big blue women's belt? Naomi. Now they all got it in the family. Now, we got to have some shock and awe stuff coming up. Now, this is the perfect time because there has been negotiations with New Japan of a couple little crossovers. Now, with AEW doing so much with them, this one's a little bit sketchy. But how about having Tamatanga, Tonga Loa, the, the Gorillas of Destiny, come in there and do something with it? That could definitely work. You definitely got enough um, legacy family members that can come in, whether it's Rikishi or... You know, any of the Fatus, any of those guys, they can come in and do a couple one-offs and get some stuff done and, and further the angle a little bit. It's all possible. It's a little sketchy because there's a lot of contract negotiations, how many bumps people can take. There's also uh, other um, Ain't No Way wrestlers in other organizations like MLW. So they would have to get, you know, one-time usage or even sign full contracts to get these other family members to kind of bring it in and spice up the angle a little bit it is entirely possible but are they really going to spend that kind of money to bring these people in for three and four episodes of uh of smackdown to really further this angle and have these one-offs because you always saw already saw um i believe it was uh sam fatu i'm i may be wrong with the name but he would just he said something about roman better ease up on my cousins on twitter it's already running it is absolutely possible, so now we got it out here. So if I said it and it all happens, maybe the timeline I say things is a little bit off, but I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. This is what I had to do. Have a good day. Hey, Nightwing. It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Hate to shit in your cornflakes, bro. The only reason they moved Naomi to SmackDown is because they had to even out the rosters. Even out the rosters, they Seriously. had to even out the drivers. They had to make sure that someone could drive that Uso around. <laughs> <laughs> That's cold. Talking about an Uso, we're talking about a deuce. <laughs> got me a 40, got me a driver. We good, baby. Let's head to the next SmackDown. Too soon? <laughs> no, you're good. I thought you were using that as your transition. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't think there's you much know what? else to say. It just man. became the transition. It's <laughs> Marty, you've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Wait a minute, Doc. Well, what are you talking about? What happens to us in the future? What, we become assholes or something? Give me a hell yeah. You want a war? You're going to get me. Mick Foley is going to win their world title. Has been paid for by the New World Order. Come on, Vince. Step into the ring. 
Russian X invades WCW tonight. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Have a nice day. We got you. I don't remember being born. I don't recall what I got for my first Christmas. And I don't know when I went on my first outdoor picnic, but I do remember the first time that I was so happy to have recorded on a VHS tape this exact Nitro. Something told me this is the night you're going to want to record. And ladies and gentlemen, I told you two weeks ago with a false advertisement of last week, so you'd have to listen. But it is here, finally, one of my favorite Nitro episodes of all time. And I want you to do me a favor, ODM. I want you to go through the results, but I actually want you to do raw first because I have reasoning behind things. Yeah, I mean, we typically do raw first anyway, so status That's, quo. Well, you know, but I just, because of how much I just, you know, yeah. <coughs> you know, right. nearly orgasmed about <laughs> this nitro. That's why we need some foreplay. Uh, well, it's funny because you brought it up at the end of the... I got to pee. <laughs> Must have had me about 18 Dr. Peppers. <laughs> I don't know why I sounded like British and whatever, but... Whatever you know, that was William Ring, William Regal yeah. drinking Dr. Pepper's on Dr. That Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so you nailed it, man. Yeah, Ahmed. Uh, they open up raw talking about how Ahmed sidelined with the uh, with a ruptured kidney after Farouk's kick, and they showed it, man. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, oh, I got kidney. the word ruptured spleen. Oh no, kidney. Is the spleen the same as a kidney? No. Well, the knee bone's connected to the dick bone. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're hitting them all today, ladies and gents. First <laughs> we're match. Trying was... to touch every movie we've ever done. <laughs> first, ooh, that's actually a good concept. We'll have to talk offline about that one. I'm... Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> so the first match made absolutely no sense. Uh, it was Justin Hawk Bradshaw versus Psycho Sid. I wrote somehow Sid is over. Like, maybe it's still early in his career. I don't know, because he's been around a long time at this point. I so. have over as fuck. Yeah. I legitimately have that. I'll send you a screenshot. It, it kills me that how over he is. And I was like, is that piped in sounds? Oh, man, those people are actually going <laughs> no, nuts you can in see that crowd. Yeah, Look they're at going them. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bradshaw actually sizes up to Sid. I never realized how big Bradshaw was. It's uh, pretty impressive. Probably the only impressive thing about that asshole. Well, you but can anyway. stack shit that high. Yeah, <laughs> they can. There you go. Uh, Bradshaw gets DQ'd almost immediately, and him and Coulter, this is, was interesting because it's the first time I've seen this. Uh, Zeb Coulter or Zebediah, whatever his name is at this point. Uh, Dutch assists, Mantel. Yeah, yeah, yep, Dutch Mantel, yep. Uh, assists in the post-match beatdown. Sid makes a comeback and power bombs them both. It, it was a waste of time. I don't know why they did it this way, but it is what it is. They got the crowd hyped. So there you go. Uh, they're talking about uh, Farouk's appearance, and they actually name him uh, Farouk Assad. Backstage with Sonny. <laughs> what a great promo by Farouk. Uh, you know, it, it's a damn shame he was wearing that stupid fucking helmet because he really could have come across as a badass. You know, Next time you talk to Sonny, you're going to address her as Miss. <laughs> or Mrs. He, like, <laughs> you didn't know which one she is, but, like, bro, she's definitely a mess. <laughs> um <laughs> 
But no, you're right, man. The horrible helmet. I'm like it. They had better looking helmets in the movie. The Sixth Sense with the with the tin foil they all wrapped around their heads. Not Sixth Sense. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, you threw me off there. Not Sixth Sense. The this one with the the crop circles and all that shit. With, oh, uh, Joaquin. Yeah. That Signs. One. Signs. Signs. Thank you. Signs. That's what it looked like. It was just a shitty tinfoil hat. I was like, oh, God, I want someone to just knock this off his head. I think that the helmet gets better each week. I hope so. Right they now, know, it's just a silver the one I remember cutout is, of your mom's salad bowl. Yep. The, the next one I remember is actually like foam. Like, just imagine a bunch of Crocs, and you just, like, carve it out using exactly. a Dremel. It, yep. it's, it's, I think it actually gets worse, but... Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, it was a good promo. Uh, you know, good first impression uh, outfit aside. After that, we get Vader with Cornette against Marrow. Obviously, the Sable. Uh, Cornette gets on commentary. Uh, there's going to be a, next week on Raw. There's going to be an Invitational Battle Royal. Winner's going to get a title shot at Raw. Uh, the Raw after SummerSlam. Uh, there's a couple of fucking bad spots here. Vader sells a crossbody too early. Like, Marrow flies in the air, and before there's even close to contact, Vader just falls backward. It's fucking hilarious. And then Marrow completely misses a sunset flip from the top. Vader actually, like, fake has to, like, he's in the middle of fake about to fall back, but he's nowhere near Marrow, <laughs> so he has to inch backwards. It almost made it look like after that, right there, they said, all right, got Call uh, it. Like, to Vader, like, let's find a new spot to go home. It's funny because Cornette goes, pin him, you dummy. And he goes, that's your own guy. He goes, I mean, pin him, Vader. And I was like, that's a random thing. I'm like, because was he like, God damn, this thing is botched so much. No. But I will say, Corny, great line during this match. I'm going to see if I could do it in his voice here. You know, Mark Marrow, he he holds the ropes for Sable, I bet you. No, that that had way too much. Oh, you're close. That was a lot of twang. All right. He he holds the ropes for Sable. I bet you he opens her cans of Alpo, too. God damn, dude. <laughs> yeah. I love how much he's dogging on Sable, knowing that she's a good-looking chick, and he's just like, ah, oh, she's like dog. Like, Owen Hart did it weeks ago with the, the King of the Ring. I just... Corny's great. Uh, I just absolutely love that. And then after that, we get to see Clarence Mason pleading... With Gorilla Monsoon that this former ex-convict, basically, can come work for the World Wrestling Federation. You only see the back of him. Do you know who it is? I don't. I absolutely do know who it is. And I'm not going to give it away. But I'll just say that he fought two clowns at WrestleMania 9. There's my hint. Okay. All right. On with the rest of the night. All right. So we uh, at the end of the Vader match, uh, Cornette says he wants Lothario face-to-face. After the SummerSlam promo, we get that. Uh, HBK's watching from the back. Uh, Cornette tells this long-winded story about Lothario being a has-been, and he wants a... He wants to get even. You with are him. a great wrestler, <laughs> yeah. and now you're a nobody. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Corny goes for the racket shot. Lothario gets a couple shots in, uh, and then we get a shot to backstage where mankind is putting the mandible claw on Shawn Michaels during the middle of this whole thing. Yep. I I do like that. Lothario grabs uh, Corny. Goes, 
That's the last thing you say about my family. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> yeah, he grabbed him by the jacket. It was pretty cool. Not bad. And uh, guess what, man? Last week, our episode number was episode eight, right? Option eight. No, that was an option eight was a, the name of our, our episode. This week, they pulled the wool over our eyes. They went with option six <laughs> this week. And they said, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time is on his way to the WWF. So me, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, here we are. We're in 96. We're in the middle of the wars. Who is the next big person to step up between right now and all the way till whenever? I'm like, it's got to just be Bret Hart. I really can't think of anybody else that comes into the WWF. I'm like, I think they just threw a bluff out there just to get some... uh, uh, not ratings, but, you yeah. know, like, well, the NWO is bringing people in, so we're bringing people in, too. Get them clicks. Just they weren't clicks, you know. Nice. Yeah. That was a too sweet line. All right. What else happens tonight? <laughs> <coughs> now I'm choking on my rage. Uh, we have Bulldog versus Henry Godwin. like from here. <laughs> uh, they're recapping Aldo Montoya beating Jerry Lawler on Superstars uh, using a DDT, kind of a reference to Jake the Snake. Uh, Aldo's backstage doing a promo, and King just runs him down. You, The most uncomfortable thing is you can see Montoya, like, eh, and then he has to wait for Lawler. And, eh, eh, and Lawler keeps going. Eh, eh, eh. And by the time it got to this point, it was like generic wrestling 101 promo response. Um, oh, it yeah. was just incredible. It was awesome. Yeah. Oh, God. Let's put that fucking joke back in the ocean with my mama's titties and fucking whatever else we were talking about earlier. Um, <laughs> Owens on commentary. Uh, there's a ticker at the bottom during this match saying Sunny will be at the AOL Auditorium to celebrate her being the most downloaded celebrity on AOL. And now she's on OnlyFans. How the mighty have fallen. Um, it's funny that you reference Brett possibly being that big superstar. <laughs> I just can't believe you just called her the mighty Evon. <laughs> it's, it's a bit sarcastic. A little sarcastic. How the crack horse have fallen. That would have been more. <laughs> Dude, today, our little off subject kayfabe. Today, uh, uh, NWA sends us a link. That has, it's like things you wouldn't believe that happened in the Attitude Era. The thumbnail looked like Sunny was on like a seven-day Coke binge. Her eyes looked like they were like CM Punk socketed eyes, like it, but like real skinny. Cocaine's a hell of and a I'm drug. Like, right, we said, well, that's probably likely as to what it was. The mighty have fallen. The mighty have fallen. Only only fans. But our last episode of the season, that's what's happening. It's a a live sounding audio of us talking with her on OnlyFans. Oh, I'm sure that's going to be. Can you do me a favor and put your clothes back on? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is that the front or the back? Uh I can't tell where her stomach begins. Oh, I just went Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, Sorry. you okay, did. Never mind. All right. So it's funny that you were talking about Brett being possibly being that superstar because uh, Owen on commentary is getting asked about Brett, just like Stone Cold was being asked about him the week before. So they're obviously heading that way. Uh, but Owen says he's a loser, he's a coward, and he's a quitter. Uh, again, Owen on the mic is just fucking him with his, his statue. Hillbilly Jim goes up to him. He's like, get away from me. Stink, you bunch of hillbilly. It's just fucking great. It wasn't over the top. It was just fucking. He's so good. He's just naturally 
heelish. Which is so great that you find out he was one of the best ribbers yep. or funny guys in the in the back at the end of it. And you're like, so if you're out there, you're like, you know that you went to the back like, fuck, man. Owen told me I stunk. I almost laughed in front of the whole crowd. Like, because he, he's he's good on the fly. He's very he was very. uh he was good at improvising, yep. I feel like, and working with what he had in front of him. I loved him on commentary for all of King of the Ring, and then this match here, loved it, absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, we had a video of Mark Henry setting the deadlift record, uh, already being billed as the world's strongest man. Uh, he pressed Sam Lawler back in March, obviously, just before we started uh doing this, so we missed out on that. But he's kind of already made his appearance uh what do you think? Six months or so? They start bringing him in on a more regular basis? I think, actually, if memory serves, we are going to be seeing Mr. Henry at SummerSlam. Oh, well, there you go. We'll find out soon enough. That's only if memory serves. All right. Well, good Chickens luck with are that. Hel- Chicken nuggets Chicken are hell of a drug. Chicken nuggets. Main event, Austin versus Taker, which we just had a few weeks ago, which is weird. Um, dude. They do a recap. I don't even remember if this was from Superstars or if it was something that I missed or if it was from earlier in the night. But basically, it's Goldust in the back, like curled up in the fetal position on like a, on a, one of the equipment cases. Uh, his mm-hmm. face paint's all rubbed off. You can tell he's like worn. And and then like he's petting Mankind while Mankind just kind of freaks out and cuts a promo talking about his mom and shit. His mommy's boy! Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fucked up. Uh, eventually, Mankind comes out as Taker's about to hit the tombstone. Taker goes after him, gets counted out, comes back, hits a tombstone on Austin. Uh, and it was pretty cool because after the match, McMahon goes into the ring, goes to interview him, has the mic like he's going to give it to Bear. Taker just fucking grabs it and says, it's time for the Reaper to enter the Serpent's Lair. thought it was cool. That's how they go off air. And that's it. And- I found it very interesting that Taker took the mic because he usually lets Bear talk mm-hmm. first, knowing what we know, how things have been going. It's cool to see this uh, this angle as we're watching it play out right now. But it's official. They're going to have the Boiler Room brawl at SummerSlam. So that's the only match that's pretty much official right now, but we are aiming for Sean and Vader. Yep. It's what it's looking like. Oh, actually, at SummerSlam, we're going to get Ahmed, Ahmed versus, versus Farouk. Farouk. Yes, for the IC title. Funny story. We don't. All right. <laughs> what happened with Nitro? All right. Zabisco doing his best heel work by calling the NWO the New World Odor. Oh, it's pun for the whole family. Uh, we get bro, footage. he said that. I just sounded like Vince Russo. Bro. <laughs> no, he. Listen, bro. He he said New World Odor so many times in this episode alone. <laughs> Motherfucker said that. Odor. I was like, you know what, man? The joke isn't funny anymore. It wasn't funny. Now first, I'm going to cheer for the New World Order because of your stupid joke, Larry Zabisco. It was way too much. Even when shit was really hitting the fan, goes, this is a lot from the New World Odor. Really? You're going to make fun of them when all the shit's going on? I just, yeah, I it was too much for me for the night. One time, I would have been like, that's cute. <laughs> it's cute. Uh, so we got footage from Saturday night. 
uh, Sting and Luger leaving the arena, and you know you're getting a, a dodgy camera viewpoint. You can hear shh. It's, it's basically the Outsiders. Uh, Luger gets called back for a phone call after he leaves. They jump Sting, basically throw him into the trunk of the car, and they bounce. Um, first match of the night, Mike Enos. Again, he had the Mahler name for one week uh, against Jim Duggan. Uh, it's pretty much a hoss fight. This went way too long, and obviously Duggan won with the tape. Uh, mean Gene is... <laughs> After the match, the best part about this is when he pulls out the tape, Zabisco calls it out. He's like, that's a foreign object. Like, you can have tape on your wrist or on your fingers, but you have it in yep. your trunks. You take it out. Like, why didn't he get disqualified for that? Pretty bad when the heel commentator makes more sense. We've seen this before. It's true. <laughs> one, one thing I, I will throw out there. Um, and check, check. I was making sure my mic's still going here last week. I had some shit. Uh Mike Enos comes out in a black vest. This is the, we have Steve Austin at home, honey. <laughs> That's what he looked like when he was coming to the ring. I'm like, is this is their version of Stone Cold Steve Austin? Like he has, he has hair, but it pretty much like Steve Austin. It looks like I'm coming to the ring. He has the, the black vest, everything. It just, that's what I wrote down, but, um, I had to take a picture of, of Hacksaw pointing at the, the monitor or I'm sorry, the camera. We like to take our little thumbnail pictures just in case we get to use them for the future. I did the same. This thing. is a good one of him because his uh Hulkster is my favorite thing. <laughs> the first word that my daughter ever said was Hulkster. Yeah, that's a fucking shame. What were you guys doing in your household, Jimmy? <laughs> Secondly, he says, and everyone knows that you really are a great technical wrestler. All right, Duggan, what the fuck are you doing here, man? Who wrote your fucking <laughs> promo? <laughs> but I don't want to. I don't want to wrestle you. I want to beat you up. And that's the picture I took as him pointing at the camera for the "I want to beat you up." But great technical wrestler, and your daughter's first word will Hulkster. One of the best promos I've heard in a long time. <laughs> there you go, bro. I actually snapped a picture of Duggan versus uh, on his entrance, so I'll have to throw that up so you can see it too. We might have to do like oh, a collage or it something. It was horrible. Um, yeah, man. All right, so Slim Jim commercial, uh, Saturday Night promo. All right, uh, now we're gonna get our rematch from the other night when Flair never showed up. Flair Benoit Mongo with the ladies against Sting Luger and Macho. Uh, Macho goes right for Flair. It's a schmoz. Uh, and then they cut to a commercial for a Glacier promo. Fucking <laughs> great. Figure that one out. Coming uh, soon. Yep. Bro, there was one spot where Mongo got thrown into the ropes. He tripped, and he went fucking ass over tea kettle through the ropes to the floor. Did you see that shit? Looked like it hurt. Fucked up. You, know, you notice he wasn't very involved after that. One of my favorite parts of this entire match Savage was trying to, in the ring, stalk Flair. Mm. Flair jumps out of the ring and kisses Liz. Yeah, I saw <laughs> And Liz laughs. She was like, okay, I wasn't ready for that. Like, you could tell she was, like, I don't know if it was on the fly, whatever. But, of course, it drew Savage into the horseman getting in a fight. Now, I want to talk about time. This is why I personally said I wanted to save this. At like 840, 
8.45 on this Monday night before Raw begins at 9 o'clock, Jimmy Hart comes frantically to the ring, telling everybody, stop the match, telling the cameraman, go to the back. The Outsiders, baby, they're taking over. You got to get back there. He's yelling at everybody in the ring. He's trying to yell at Sting. He's trying to yell at Macho. He's trying to tell everybody. One of the craziest parts of making it look so goddamn real is that Luger just slammed Ric Flair. Luger turns, hears what Jimmy says, and he goes, come on, Rick, let's go. And Rick rolls his ass out of the ring and goes. And I was like, wow, okay, you made it look real. Okay, mm-hmm. remember how I opened this thing and said that where I remember where I was? I remember this entire thing. I remember it. Because I didn't remember anything of Raw that when I rewatched this. Because mm. I was that glued to Nitro. Because, all right, let's talk about if you guys don't know what we're talking about, it's where the outsiders take over in the back. You see. Arn Anderson laying on the ground. You see Scotty Riggs. No, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Marcus, Marcus Bagwell yep. laying on the ground. They're holding their bats, and then Hall slams his on the ground, so you hear that one real hard aluminum bat sound. Scotty Riggs, this is one of the worst acting I've ever seen out of my life from Scotty Riggs, but he comes out and he, he looks right at the outsider, sees this guy on the ground, and goes... <laughs> What are you doing? And then just looks at Marcus like he's going to fix him, like he's a fucking doctor. Razor, I'm sorry, uh, Scott Hall, knocks him out with what appeared to be like, I don't know, like a water jug or a light. I don't even yeah, know Yeah, I thought it was. it was like a light. It was like a but... weird fixture. Yeah. And the most infamous spot <laughs> that I always remember, Rey Mysterio said, my three foot seven ass is going to jump off of this trailer and try to knock down seven foot diesel or Kevin Nash catches him and shoots him like a dart right back into the trailer and they get into the limo. And what could make this thing all the more real, <laughs> all the more badass? Well, you get your psychotic, unhinged, macho man, Randy Savage, to go chasing after that limo. He dives on top, has his arms in the inside of the roof, uh, or through the uh, the sunroof. Then they drive off with Macho on it. It's the last time we see Macho the entire night. Yep. I just want to throw that out there. You never see Macho again. I don't know where to begin or end, man. Like I feel like I just kind of... All right, one word I got for you. What's a word I already said to you before? You already know. What is the one word that sold this entire scene? Woman. Woman. Where was this girl's Oscar? Nancy Sullivan slash Benoit should have gotten a friggin' Oscar for the way she tends to Arn Anderson, who said he was hit with a bat. And he's down holding it. Man, everybody keeps touching Arn. He keeps saying, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't lift it. Only person who allows to keep touching him is woman. She is in full-blown Meryl Streep tears. I mean, like, you would have thought Arn Anderson was her daddy. And he just got hit in front of her. It was, she made it look, made made it look really, really real. Couple other parts that go to this. Sting yells over, Eddie, what's he saying? <laughs> ah, it was three or four. 
Are you saying four? I don't know what he means by four. There's only two outsiders. <laughs> That's what I hate. And Hogan. And they keep arguing back and forth. One of the worst parts that bothered me out of this entire thing. Ray goes, there were four, Eddie. Eddie, let him know there were four. Said it just like that. Yep. Larry Zabisco goes, I don't know. You're speaking Spanish. I didn't hear what he said, to be <laughs> honest with you. I'm like, he clearly said, Eddie, there were four. Let them know there were four. Didn't even you trace her quattro. He said fucking four. That bothered me a bit because they hung on to that four thing way too long. They did. More than I thought they did. I don't get it. Alex Wright, Eddie, and Ray. What does he mean four? I mean, he only said that there was. there's only three, but four. And then we get a fucking NWO promo later on. It's like, who's going to be our fourth man? Like, you shouldn't have fucking known, dude. Why are you all like, Ray's high, man. No, he's got to be on that shit. Like, <laughs> but then you go back. Benoit, dude, did he or did he not look like he was goddamn crying yeah. for Arn Anderson? But like a pissed off tears. Mm-hmm. Mongo ruined it for me. Yeah. They, they can't get away with this. Look, bitch, you've been in this fucking game for three weeks. Fuck off. Get out of the shot. <laughs> Pretty much. But just, dude, overall, 30 solid minutes of this program has now been dedicated to nothing but what seems to be real life shit and why does it seem so real life have you heard eric bischoff's real story about this no can't say i have the fire truck that showed up oh yes yes the ambulances weren't planned wasn't planned People were watching at home. Someone saw this, whether in arena or on TV. I don't know what it was. They called the cops. and like, there's people with baseball bats beating up wrestlers. Real servers of fire, uh, the, uh, the firemen and police force show up to tend to a scripted fight. <laughs> it's almost like when we did Lethal Weapon in in, the, uh, in Lethal Weapon 3. Uh, uh, Mel Gibson jumps into the thing. He's like, what the hell are you doing with a rubber gun? And it was just a whole video shoot the whole time. Someone should have maybe told them ahead of time that's what was going to happen. But, yeah, it, real cops, real firemen, real everybody show up, amb- ambulance workers, and they're trying to really help out these guys. And to me... That's good television. That's amazing. Well, the thing is, uh, you see when they show up, you see Jimmy Hart running towards the camera like he's freaked out. And that was always my thought is like, that's like, maybe he was like, oh, shit, I got to call. I got to let somebody know what the hell is going on here. Uh, so I don't, oh, know if you shit, went re- baby. <laughs> I don't know if you grabbed a producer or not. Yeah, there's some interesting shit that happened during this. Um, one point, Haku randomly shows up out there. And he's like yelling, it was dungeon, random. yelling Dungeon of Doom, you know, and like Benoit was getting in his face. So, like, I don't know if the whole thing was. But none of his guys were down. Yeah. I never understood that. Yeah, I don't know. If I they was were... like, if you're a four horseman, you got room to talk. Yeah. If you're uh, a friend of Eddie or the American males, fine. What the hell is Haku all of a sudden just jumping in here for? Or Ming, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that was about. It was weird. It was out of place. Uh, my One of my favorite parts is Heenan. He's like. 
He's like, Eric, you know, we've worked together for a long time, but I've had a lot of surgery. I'm fearful for my health. Can you, if you can't guarantee my safety, I'm walking. And he's like, I can't guarantee your safety. He's like, all right, fine, I'm out. And Heenan just bounces. And and Bischoff did it where it was so real. He goes, look, Bobby, we're not going to do this here on the air. He goes, then I'm leaving. He goes, all right, fine. And it it almost looked like, hang on a second, is this real? I can't really tell what's going on. And Heenan's got the history. He's had a couple run-ins where you know. Well, we already talked about what he's. The Pillman, Pillman thing and yeah. everything. Um, now, one thing I want to throw out to you. I said to you, 840-ish, right? And then I said this thing has gone for 30-plus minutes. Why did I say that? Because when Raw begins, are you now going to switch to Raw and go, ooh, Psycho Sid and uh, Justin Hawk Bradshaw? Or are you going to go, <laughs> Yo, there are people down, there's ambulances, a lot of shit's going on. It was, to me, one of the best placed, smartest segments, I think, in wrestling history, just time-wise. Yeah, it's certainly memorable. Uh, The interesting thing is the crowd's chanting boring for the whole 30 minutes. Because there's no camera. Well, they and... did. They didn't have TVs in yeah. there to let them know what was going on, and they made mention of that. They're like, "Look, they can't really see what's going on." So at home, it's the greatest piece of television oh, ever. Sure. For the fifteen hundred that were in the stands, eh, it sucked. Yeah, but it, it kind of you were a part of history that night. Uh, put take it as that. Definitely. Um, like I said, man, the, the Ming and, and Benoit thing, I wonder if this leads to something now. Like, do they have a feud? I never remembered, I, and I'm okay with it. But uh, yeah, the fact remember. that they got face-to-face very hard in this, I was like, that's interesting. But will WCW band together? Who knows? But like you said, yeah, the, the uh, everyone's kind of uniting, though, because Sting goes to get in the, the ambulance mm. with bagwell and flair is already in there with anderson yeah arn anderson and you hear the guy say guys there's gonna be no fighting keeping a touch kayfabe which i thought was cool you know what i mean like keeping that whole if you're fighting thing and sting goes don't worry about it and just kind of like i'm like this is just that's why i remember this all very well i was like wow this is an actual war it's cool i'm in I don't think I need to already say that Nitro had a better episode already at this exact <laughs> moment. It's but what else happened tonight? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we were supposed to have Steiner Brothers versus uh, American, American Males. Males. They're out. So we get Steiner Brothers. Well placed for everybody that was hurt, by exactly. the way, I want to say. Yep. No, it was. Everybody that was hurt was for the rest Got of the replaced. car. Yep. Uh, yep. So Steiner Brothers versus High Voltage. It's their debut on Nitro Robbie Rage and Kenny Chaos. Uh, yep. They don't go very far. Uh, Rick Steiner's distracted. He keeps going down to the floor, keeping his eye on the entranceway. Um, it, it wasn't much of a match. Scott got the pin with a – it's like a modified Michinoku driver. Like got him up for a vertical suplex and then kind of released, grabbed him around the waist and drove him down. It was pretty cool. Like it. No botches. Good shit. Surprisingly, <laughs> yeah, because we sp- they ran the match. Yeah, we we're supposed to get Eddie Guerrero versus uh, Rey Mysterio. Instead, he'll face Big Bubba Rogers with Jimmy Hart. Um, this was again not much of a match. Uh, obviously, Eddie looked good. I think him fighting somebody as big as like Big Bubba was a little. It was a bit of a clash of styles almost, uh, but it wasn't terrible. 
uh, Hart tries to. Just- I actually took it as the opposite. I took it as them showing that some of these cruiserweights could go with some of the bigger guys, and because of how the ending went, I loved it. I thought it was great. And who? What better guy? I said, who's a great hand in the ring? Ray Trailer, man. He was excellent back in the day. Yeah. And right here, Eddie goes over because of a mix-up with the megaphone. Uh, Jimmy Hart was trying to throw it into to Big Bubba, goes through his legs, and Eddie gets to, to use it, gets the win. And it's funny because I'm almost like, that's the early days of uh, lie, cheat, seal. How about that? But it made Eddie look credible. But he was supposed to fight. Ray for the cruiserweight yep. title. So he gets a win on Nitro, makes him still in the credible contender source when it comes to Ray coming back. I just thought it was great placement of how they did some of these matches and who they brought in. You know, we didn't want to see American Males and Steiners. No. I wanted to see the Steiners wreck some fucking house for once, and they did against High Voltage. So I kind of like that the talent who was supposed to be in the match wasn't and the people who were there got to just shine that's where i'm going with that very good yeah that's okay well uh yeah i guess you could say the same thing kind of happened with uh the main event which was supposed to be arn anderson versus the giant for the title instead it was greg valentine Uh, again we're we're in stone face greg valentine territory where his facial expression doesn't change like from that point till now uh, yep. it, it just doesn't change. It was a squash match. Uh, Giant calls out Hogan. Mean Gene gets in there, and Giant does uh, the mocking posing of Hogan and the promo, the let me tell you something, brother. And Gene, Gene makes sure to clarify mean Gene. It. Yeah. Yeah. Gene makes sure to clarify, you're parroting Hulk Hogan. No shit. But he said what I love, man. Dude, this is one of Giant's best promos. We keep talking about it each week. He goes, I'm just trying to show you guys that's how easy it is to fall into a trap of someone's BS. or However he said it, it was something to the almost like almost word for word. Right. And but my favorite line from the giant. If we all don't hang together, we're all going to hang separately. I go, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't think right. the giant was given enough credit in 1996, man. Yeah. The more I keep watching him, I'm like, he was on fire. No one else would have pushed him to the moon like that. I don't think if giant was in WWE at this time, they wouldn't have pushed him like this. He would have been another giant Gonzalez or a Ludwig Borga, all those other guys that they were just feeding to the undertaker and, Getting killed, the giant is a very credible champion right now. Going into Hog Wild, one thing you missed was the NWO paid promo. Oh, you had mentioned it earlier. Done. That's why, yeah. But yeah. in this promo, uh, we are hearing that it is obviously Hogan versus Giant at Hog Wild, and we're going to get our grudge match of the Outsiders versus Sting and Luger. My favorite part, Kevin Nash. But I think the big question everybody wants to know is, hey, Lex, how much do you bench? <laughs> I forgot about that. I one. don't know why yeah. I laughed at it. I go, this is good. I love these old NWO promos. Any question in your mind that Nitro was the absolute better show this week? Oh, no. Do you understand why this was my favorite episode probably of Nitro ever? 
Absolutely. Yeah, when you mentioned it, I've kind of figured this was what what it was. I just couldn't remember if it was this week or if it was a little later on. I was off a week because I was trying to prep, you know, I mean, uh, you know, hindsight. Now I am in New York. I'm I'm here. But before traveling, I want to make sure I got everything in on time. And God, it was such a good moment just to to rewatch that that Nitro. Got one of my favorite just Jimmy selling it, man. Let's talk about Jimmy Hart selling it, too. Oh, yeah. You know, like, he is this shitty, shysty salesman-type manager that would sell his own sister's, you know, body if he could, if he could make a buck. But in this, oh, my God, baby, the outsiders, everybody, let's get together. That, yeah, okay. All right. You know what? Jimmy Hart was great. He was in the corner of Earthquake. At SummerSlam, he was in the earth. He was in the corner of the Nasty Boys at SummerSlam. He's been in some great moments at SummerSlam. And this week's top topic is the top twenty-five matches at SummerSlam ever. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for. This week's top topic. You know something mean, Gene? John Cena. Wrestling's not fake. The Rolex wearing what? Diamond ring wearing what? Kiss stealing. Woo! Wheeling dealing. What? Limousine right. What? Jet flying. What? Son of a gun. Woo! Sierra Hotel. India. Echo. ranking order and final decisions are a completely bias-based order based off the professor and odm made it and as always they like to let you know they have not worked in the business but have been lifelong invested fans much like you our listeners with not only their opinions involved but with countless amount of hours of research done each week they make sure to provide proper facts and history to back it up however they do know that your opinion may vary from theirs if there is anything you want to chat about bring to their attention if there is something they missed or forgot or you just want to let them know they are out of their freaking minds feel free to shoot them a message on facebook or twitter or email them at the top of wrestling at gmail.com. As always, they do appreciate all feedback and continued support. At the end of the day, they want to make sure that you do see the best of the best before you die. And now, this week's top topic. His buddy Bubba was a shrimp-loving man. His friend with no legs, he called Lieutenant Dan. His girlfriend Jenny was kind of a slut. He went to the White House, showed LBJ his butt. All right, hey, it is the top 25 SummerSlam matches of all time. God, I'm excited about this. Like I said, it's my favorite. Why are you giving me that look? What's wrong with what I say? (laughs) You just gave it away. Did I? I think so. That was weird, Al. You basically told the whole premise of the entire story. <laughs> well, if you don't know those characters, you don't know the movie. That between that and the AIDS baby reference earlier. Well, that's not my fault that Haley Joe Osmond turned out to be that at the end. But here we are. It is SummerSlam. And all right, so in the next couple of weeks here, this week our top topic is... The 25 matches of SummerSlam. And in two weeks, our top topic is going to be the top 10 
SummerSlam cards of all time. Because there are some SummerSlams that you will probably catch on that were way better than others. We've had a couple of crappy ones, but we've had some great ones. And I'm actually excited about talking about those when we get down to it. Um, but let me tell you something, ODM. Yeah, I promise me one thing. If you're ever in trouble, don't be brave. Just run. All right. You know that when we say it is the top 25 that we are going to offer up an honorable mention. Lucky for you guys, this week when I said top 25, I didn't go top 50. And this week when I said one honorable mention, I actually said just that. Just one only. Surprisingly, that one. The only reason it makes the list is because of probably the um, implications, everything that goes around it um, for the push, the unfortunate accident. The problem is the ending is what really makes it not make the real list. I, if I you know, had to really say it, but what I'm talking about is in 1997, the Intercontinental title was on the line when Owen Hart defended against Steve Austin. And this is the one where the infamous Owen Hart botching, I guess we'll call it the tombstone. I don't know. Yeah, you kind of got to call it I mean, he's a good worker. Yeah. Shit happens, right? It's a botch. Yeah. And the big stinger that goes right through Austin's neck barely moves and does a pin that makes May Young look like a fast wrestler. <laughs> It was not great to watch, but unfortunately, um, well, no, I'll, I'll say the words. Fortunately, everything worked out, obviously, in the end, because it, I really think just that moment right there, the man standing up and holding the Intercontinental title was badass enough for you to go, God damn, fuck. All right, I'm, I'm on the Steve Austin train. If you weren't at that point and then, you know. Nine months later, he's your world champ. So I'm glad everything worked out the way it did. At number 25, this was a... I had a very tough time. I'm not going to lie. When coming to this uh, list, the latter years, we haven't really produced much at SummerSlams. I feel like WWE has kind of phoned it in. But in 2017, the tag titles were on the line as the bar defended against the Shield which was Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Do you remember what this match is pretty memorable for? I, you know, I saw it on the list and I was trying to go back. I'm like, man, I don't remember what happened. It's the Barclay Center where Cesaro said, fuck you and fuck your beach balls. Ran out uh. in the crowd and <laughs> tore up a beach ball in the middle of the match. Because they were actually having a very competitive yeah. tag match. And Cesaro was like, like, I'm here to do a job. You guys are being dickheads. Oddly enough, that would that would not be the only match from this night that was well worth it. But we'll get into that later down the list. In 2012, coming in at number 24, was a no-DQ match between Triple H and Brock Lesnar. This is the match where Brock gets his big win over Triple H, and then Triple H will get his win back. At WrestleMania 29 down the road where um, he fights him in New Jersey, New York, whatever that one is. Uh, this match, pretty competitive and actually giving... It was Brock's first major opponent next to John Cena when coming back. And I, I think it was 
the right guy. I don't think he needed to go in against anybody younger or any of the, like, try to grow any talent. Keep him with the guys that he knows, and let's just have some good classic matches. Then we'll start to sprinkle in your Seth Rollins and your Finn Balors and Daniel Bryans down the road. Number 23, they tried to create lightning in a, bi- uh, in a bottle twice, and they obviously didn't happen. Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels, which was their latter match, TLC number two, at the SummerSlam 1995. Michaels comes in as the champion, leaves as the champion, so now they're both one in one when it comes to the latter match, but... There were several botches that went wrong with this one. Michaels tries to take the title down with him, and it doesn't go. Like I said, you couldn't redo what you did in Madison Square Garden uh, two years prior, or one year, but, you know, it's WWE. They think they can do that. Number 22. This has a lot to it. CM Punk and John Cena. In 2011, Cena and Punk just had, which is probably WWE's best match in many, many years at this point, at that Money in the Bank pay-per-view 2011. But Punk takes off with the title, not to be seen from again, except when he put it inside of the refrigerator. (laughs) Which I still love. I just, I love that. Where's your title, Vince? Um... Shows up on Raw, and now we're going to get a undisputed unification title match between Punk and Cena at SummerSlam. And no sooner that CM Punk wins the title, naturally in 2011, here comes Kevin Nash to out of nowhere, who hasn't been in the company in fucking years, shows up, power bombs CM Punk. And Alberto Del Rio cashes in to become the new WWE champion. One of the weirdest, oddest swerves ever. Ever. Never understood it. Like I said, naturally, Kevin Nash, because we'd seen him on TV so much at yeah. this point. It's a good fit. Yeah, it was. it worked out great. Number 21 is... uh, Well, a WWF title match from 1997. Your special ref, Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, your champion, The Undertaker, defending against Bret the Hitman Hart. And I'm pretty sure we all remember how this one goes down. They have a great back-and-forth match. HBK is saying that if he is not partial... um, Or impartial, or... Yeah, if, if he's not calling it right down the middle... He will never wrestle in the United States ever again. But the same goes to Bret Hart. If you don't win this match, you can never wrestle in the United States again. So how do we do this? Where Sean can get involved, Bret can become a champion, and Undertaker still looks badass. Well, Bret hocks a goddamn loogie right on Sean's face. And I don't mean like a little bit of spit. I'm saying like it was like the Green Goblin landed on his <laughs> face. And then Sean hits Undertaker by accident with a chair, thus giving the chance for Brett to take the pin. And I remember this one. I love this. Each 
the pin. The one looks up at Brett. God damn you. Two. Oh, you <laughs> motherfucker. Three. Like you had to do it or your job's on the line as well. So it was very well done. I, I don't think many people could have really pictured that exact ending, but I loved how it turned out. And Brett becomes a five time WWF champion in the process. In number, all uh, right, number 20. This match will never really be talked about much, but in 2004, Randy Orton became the youngest world heavyweight champion in history by defeating Chris Benoit. So, if you look at WWE's books, Randy Orton just walked into the arena one night and a title was just sitting in the ring, and he (laughs) said, I'm a winner. (laughs) No, but honestly, the match really was great. Chris Benoit did his work part he 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 wasn't a transitional champion he, he kept it from wrestlemania all the way to SummerSlam, and right. did some great defenses of that title but he did the right service to randy he made randy look like a true competitor one month later randy loses at the triple h and that's well wwe and triple h booking at that point yep. but this SummerSlam, the way it went down was how it should have went down. It was perfectly well done. Number 19. Oh, the poor fan. The one goddamn kid that just kept going, let's go, Cena. One kid. For the 15 (laughs) minutes that this match lasted in 2014, (laughs) one kid could not understand that Brock Lesnar was squashing the living shit out of John Cena. With his unprecedented, I don't know how many it was, like 15 German suplexes. Uh, I think it was point. 15, it was like, yeah. I was just trying to it, look it, it up. I was actually just trying to look it up, yeah. I couldn't find it, but yeah, but it's, it's something like that. But it's great hearing this little kid that just keeps going, Let's go, Cena! Well, Give it a rest, motherfucker! <laughs> he's about to lose! The best squash no one saw coming. No one ever thought John Cena yeah. was going to... I mean, we all probably thought, okay, yeah, you're going to give the title to to Brock Lesnar. But no one thought that you were going to have him tear through Cena that bad. Excellent. Excellent way to end that pay-per-view. Because that's also the same year that he beat the streak for Undertaker. So you're damn right. He should have beaten the champion the way he did. No one had a better year in 2014 than Brock Lesnar. That was an amazing streak. No pun to self. Now, in uh, 1990, Demolition, they were kind of playing the Freebird rule um, because they had Axe, Smash, and, and crash. Crush. Crush, that's right. Cry, crash. I was thinking of the Dodge uh, no, uh No, I was thinking of the guy that fought both Doinks at WrestleMania 9. Exactly. Boom. Oh. So, it is in this match, we're actually going to get Smash and Crush in a two out of three falls tag team title match against the Hart Foundation, who are looking to get their titles back finally, and they do in the two out of three falls match, winning two to one. Just a very competitive tag team title match, probably one of my favorite of all time when it comes to SummerSlam. In number uh, at number seventeen is Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar for the WWE title in two thousand and three. You will not believe how this freaking match ends. (laughs) You know how it ends? He did. 
He did. He did it. I guess when your neck's that big, I guess that's the only thing that saves you sometimes, right? Damn. But Brock Lesnar actually taps out at SummerSlam, surprisingly, in 2003. That's I didn't even know that he ever tapped out until he loses to Kurt Angle. But, hey, I guess everybody had to lose to someone. That one had a broken freaking neck, and he could still beat your ass. Yeah, but didn't uh, had Brock already beaten Angle at this point? He did just yeah. prior to that at the WrestleMania 19 pay-per-view where right. he landed on top of his on noggin, which heat. you were referencing. Yes. He, at number 16, the Brain, Brust, uh, brain Brusters. Brain Brusters. The Brain Busters versus, <laughs> versus the Heart Foundation in 1989. What sucks about this whole match is it could have very easily been for the tag titles. Brain... Jesus, here, I almost did it again. Tully and Arn just recently won the tag team titles. And this match could have been for the tag titles at SummerSlam, but they made it a non-title match. Why they never just said, well, we'll have him defend, even though Arn and Tully are going over, we're just not going to have it be for the titles. I don't, I don't yeah, understand no that. The 2013 edition of SummerSlam, we already talked about, uh, no, we have not. No, the year before was what we talked about. But in 2013, we had a WWE title match where John Cena was able to pick his own uh, his own opponent. And on Raw, with everybody standing on the stage, he chooses Daniel Bryan. Him and Daniel have a one-on-one match at SummerSlam, and Daniel goes over with the running knee to John Cena's face, becoming a WWE champion for the first time ever. Which is funny because most people probably look at WrestleMania 30 and the way the uh, celebration is, you're like, that's probably his first title win. Right. Nope. This is just one. And this one happened against Cena, but after the match is over... God damn it. Triple H turns, gives him a pedigree. Randy Orton cashes in and we have a new champion. And we have to wait all the way till WrestleMania 30 to see Daniel Bryan become an official champion again. He does beat Orton in the process down the road, but they take they overturn it like the next night. So, God, what a fucking shit fest of booking at that mm-hmm. point. Damn right. I don't want to get upset. Let's talk about the only match on this list, unfortunately, and I'm sorry about this, but the only match on this list that has ladies involved, and it was in 2019, just a couple of years ago, where Trish Stratus made her return into the Toronto area yep. and took on Charlotte Flair. Stole the show. It was best match on the card by far. And it was cool to see. This, to me, was Rock and Hogan at WrestleMania 18. Two different eras going face-to-face. Yeah. It was, too. I remember watching this. It was had no business being as good as it was. Yeah, totally. It just proved how good Trish really was as a wrestler and still can be. In 2002, the passing of the torch because The Rock lost his undisputed championship in the main event to Brock Lesnar. Rightfully so. Lesnar was on a huge 
terror path. This is the this is the time that Austin quits. He chokes out Undertaker, making cough up blood, and then beats The Rock for the world title after also winning the King of the Ring several months before. You knew Brock was going to go over The Rock in this in this main event. And what's crazy about it is the crowd was pretty much pro Lesnar, even though The Rock was a face in this match. Poor Rock. Every time he goes in face, he just gets <laughs> fucked. <laughs> This one is probably going to get maybe some flack. I don't know, but I don't care. The pre-show match was probably better than 80 to 90% of the card that night. Do you remember the time the Barclay Center was only half filled? Yep. And the Usos and the New Day went out there on a pre-show and said, half crowd, full crowd, no crowd. We're still going to take this goddamn card. And they were absolutely one of the very best parts of that entire SummerSlam. That and the only match I ever talk, I talk about was the Bar and Cesaro and uh, or um, the Bar and uh, Seth and, and Dean Ambrose. But this tag match, this one right here, woo! Lot of great near falls, and I'm not talking your AEW one million like. Uh, near fall finishes. Right. These were like, I actually thought it was going to end right there. Holy shit. We're still going. Okay. As opposed to why well, he's definitely kicking out of this one. This match was fantastic. And one of many Uso and new day matches that were in like the one to two year period right here that they, whenever it was on a pay-per-view was the best one of the night. They did pretty Hell much. So yeah. they did. Hell in the cell matches. was, yeah. Hell in the cell is one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. They were the first at Hell in a Cell to put the kendo sticks through the hole. So when you run at it, it was like a giant pole clothesline in you. I'm like, mm-hmm. no one thought of this before? Amazing. Yeah, no, those guys, when they got together four or five, they put on a classic. And they did in the pre-show. I feel like to them, they were like, well, you're going to put us in the pre-show? Good luck following this <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> Number 11. 1998, it was the highway to hell. Heard that song every Raw, every Sunday Night Heat, every Superstars, every Livewire for like two months straight. I'm a fan of ACDC, but dear shit, that was annoying. But it was the highway to hell as Steve Austin defended and retained his WWF title against The Undertaker. A lot of people thought that Taker was going to go over an MSG. It, it was it, this was a very hot crowd, but you also had two faces, so it was a very split crowd. Right. I was actually one who thought Taker was going to take the win. I thought he was going to possibly join forces with Kane because Kane makes an appearance towards the end of the match. I was like, okay, he's going to turn heel. Doesn't sucked, but the match still outstanding for both them, and they have the very infamous spot where. Undertaker jumps off the top rope and does a leg drop on Austin, who's sitting on the table on the outside. One of my favorite SummerSlam moments of all time. At number 10, we're in the top 10, and I don't want to go too deep into this because we're going to touch base on this match extremely soon. (laughs) So Mankind versus The Undertaker in the Boiler Room Brawl 1996. We're going to get in depth about it within a couple of weeks, so... Let's move on. Number nine, Jeff Hardy against CM Punk in a TLC world title match. 
funniest part about this is that after the match is over, Punk is standing over a broken Jeff Hardy, holding the title in the air. Lights go out. Sounds like it's the Undertaker's gong. He comes back up. An Undertaker is standing in the goddamn, or laying in the spot where Jeff Hardy was. What an amazing end to that whole pay-per-view. Absolutely love it. But their match, I mean, they had so many amazing spots off of a 20-foot ladder, doing a swanton onto the announcer's table. Punk is at his early stages of the straight-edge society heel. He doesn't even have uh, a society at this point. It's just him preaching each week that Jeff Hardy is a scumbag for taking drugs and alcohol. Basically, that's all he did. And you know what, man? It made everybody boo you. You did a good job. You did your heel work. Good job. And CM Punk comes in not only at number nine, but also number eight. His match against Brock Lesnar, it's in 2013. We're talking only four or five months before Punk said, I'm done in WWE. Seven and a half years ago, around this time, he had, almost eight years ago, he had a match against Brock Lesnar. And this is one of the first times that Brock actually was given a real run for his money against a shorter, smaller stature guy. Wasn't your Triple H, your Cena, your normal Undertaker, your guys like that. And it was great because both guys were originally Paul Heyman guys. But once Punk took his time off, comes back and sees that Paul's head is so far up Brock Lesnar's ass, (laughs) becomes a... Summer of Punk vs. Heyman, and it caps off at this WrestleMania. This is a very hard-hitting match, and I, I think probably one of Brock's very best since being back in the WWE since uh, his return, personally. Here we go. Number seven. You hear us talk about these three teams together. They're synonymous with each other. And the very first tables, ladders, and chairs match happened at SummerSlam 2000. It is the Dudley Boys versus the Hardy Boys. Hardy Boys versus Edge and Christian. Uh, they had their ladder match at WrestleMania 2000 or WrestleMania 16, but it was tables and chairs were involved anyway. And then right before this is where Mick Foley does his infamous. It's tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh, my. Great Wizard of Oz reference. Yeah. Way to go, Mick. Way to go. Speaking of Mick, by the way, did you see his shitting on Drew McIntyre for like 47 chair shots to one guy? Yeah. That should be ending a feud, man. That shouldn't just be yeah. a random Raw segment. Exactly. Thank you, Mick. You're wasting Good it. Good call. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Number six. This one may get some arguments. People may think that it should be better in the list. But unfortunately, Davey was not probably at his very best of his game as he could have been this day. But in Wembley Stadium, 1992, for the Intercontinental title, the one and only time that at a SummerSlam, the Intercontinental title closed the show as a main event, Bret Hart loses his title to British Bulldog. Bulldog just made a lot of just crappy botches in the match because he just was nowhere near as fluent. But you got it. There's no way you could have let Brett walk away in Wembley right there 
taking the title. I think the crowd would have been like, okay, god damn you. But <laughs> you wanted that huge pop at the end of the night. That's what you got. Mm-hmm. It was it was amazing. I still love it, whether it has it's a five star classic or whatever, it's still a great moment to go back and watch for any SummerSlam history. That cradle where he turns it into a pin real quick and gets that three count, it's so fast that you're like, oh, 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 you get like real excited because it just comes out of nowhere. And I like that. I don't need everything to build to a finisher for me to be like, oh, in 10 seconds, I should clap. Right. Yeah. Right. Catch it's me a off moment. guard, yeah. man. It's a moment. Right. At number five, the Intercontinental title is on the line again. This one is a ladder match from 1998. This one stole the show before Taker and Austin even gotten their chance in Madison Square Garden that night. It was the tr- it was the Rock versus Triple H. Triple H being a member of DX, Rock, of course, Nation, and finally the title changes hands. China gets involved. Mark Henry gets involved. Outstanding match. I absolutely love this one. Probably one of my favorite ladder matches of all time because Rock plays such a great heel in the match. You, people really it's probably one of the only times people are really that much behind Triple H. I'll put that out yeah, there right now. Pretty much. Number four. Uh probably one of my favorite SummerSlam matches competitively of all time, and that is AJ Styles versus John Cena. A lot of your falls finish, near falls of the uh finisher after finisher after finisher or uh, reversal of finishers. However, this match definitely they, they I think they had three all together. One at Rumble, one here, and the other one was like Money in the Bank. Mm-hmm. I think this was their very best one of the trilogy that Cena and Styles had, and they were up against a huge card that night. They were up against Lesnar and Randy Orton, Seth Rollins and uh, Finn Balor. Dolph Ziggler and Dean Ambrose. You also had the return of Nikki Bella. Uh, the NXT four horsewomen, or three out of four, were going to be at SummerSlam for the first time ever. They had a lot to live up to. And Cena was big match Cena, man, or whatever everybody, they call him, big match John or whatever. He came and he delivered that night against Styles. Awesome match. Number three, unsanctioned match. The man who threw Shawn Michaels through that car window was none other than his best friend himself. (gasps) He did it for DX. (laughs) Triple H and Shawn Michaels. It's Shawn's very first match back since the infamous, uh, well, losing to Stone Cold at that WrestleMania 14, but really the infamous casket match injury where he hurt his back is where everything went awry for him. And that's the focus of the match. Even after Sean gets a quick roll-up win on Triple H, Triple H takes that sledgehammer and hits Sean right in the back. And just showing that he doesn't care about his best friend, even if he's crippling him. They put on a great show together. They always had great matches. This was their very first one outside of those raw ones that we've talked about. This is their very first heated match match or feud type match number two Bret Hart versus his little brother in a steel cage Owen Hart and that's for the WWF title in 94 
I always love that finding out that this match went like 10 or 15 minutes more than it should have. And Undertaker and fake Undertaker in the back, they're like, well, I guess we're cutting this out and we're cutting this out because Brett and Owen just put on a clinic. But it was an amazing match. Love the huge superplex off the top of the cage. No one could have protected his little brother the way he did. Brett put on a great show. You got the Hearts getting involved. You got Jim the Anvil Nyhart. British Bulldog is back in the WWF all of a sudden yeah, here right. this night. Oh, it was amazing. Huge. I, I, I'm still shocked they didn't end it with that, but it was the whole summer of who uh, or where's The Undertaker? Is he alive? Is he here? And you had... Well, we did Leslie Nielsen a couple of weeks ago with all of his uh, the the uh, files from Police Squad, right? You had uh, all the Naked Gun movies. He had him and Ed looking around for the missing Undertaker. It's a whole summer thing, so you had to let them, I guess, finish off that SummerSlam that way. But Brett Nolan stole that show absolutely. Number one, of course. Bertha Faye, ver, uh, no, hey, oh, wrong one. Never mind. That Got was the worst ones. <laughs> Number one is Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect. We all knew it was going to be this one. Come on. I mean, it's a goddamn clinic of a, of a wrestling match. Uh, you have the coach at ringside who's with Mr. Perfect in 1991. And you have Bobby Heenan. Roddy Piper and Vince McMahon on commentary as Brett wins his very first singles title in the WWF at a place I've mentioned like 15 times already because it's a favorite place of mine as well, but Madison Square Garden. He wins an MSG and gets to run up and hug Stu and Helen right after he wins that title. Awesome moment. I am a huge fan, absolutely huge fan of how this match ends. Perfect keeps doing those leg dro- uh, leg drops to the crotch of Brett, and then he just stops one of them and flips it and turns it into a sharpshooter. And then says, fuck you and your onesie. I'm taking that whole goddamn thing <laughs> off you, and you're walking out of here in your black underwear, Kurt. <laughs> Great match. And, and, and we talked about their King of the Ring match, too, recently. Um, that's that's one I was a, a very big fan of. But it's, you put those two together, it doesn't matter who was going to win, lose. You're just going to get a good competitive match, and you're going to believe in it because Kurt could play that cocky asshole that you want to see get beat. Yeah, and Brett was the, the hero that you're like, he's got to win, man. Lucky he's for us. You talk about uh, some matches just being iconic. This was iconic and a good technical match, and that – that scene, that that still photo <clears throat> of perfect uh, singlet getting ripped off, and Brett kind of just standing yep. over him. That's iconic. That's a, that, that that's that's a historical image right there. The sharpshooter itself, to be honest, the way he leans back on him is like he did that harder to him than he's done to anybody else. And perfect was leaving for a little bit after this, so no one. I mean, that's the other thing, man. When you watch this and you know that. Kurt Henning was in major pain. You know, we give Shawn Michaels his credit for WrestleMania 14. You got to look at, at Kurt in 91. He was in a shitload of pain, and he only wanted to get that title handed over to Brett. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to make sure that got taken care of and did the job as a professional. 
That's why this match is just, it, it really is one of the absolute greatest of all time. I'm a huge fan. And if you guys, you know what? That's the one I'm going to suggest this week. Go watch Perfect and Bret Hart because odds are whatever WWE is going to give us for SummerSlam this year ain't going to be anywhere near as close as that. Probably not. I'm pretty tired now. I think I'm going to go home now. We're going to have ODM take us home. As we always do, his movie quote of the week. And, God, I mean, let's be honest here, man. Your best impression of all time probably came from season two. You did a little bit of an, of an equation. I think there ain't no other man oh, I can hear you walk out, man, than this right here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, big pop a pump, Scott Steiner. Yo, they say all men are created equal, but I say stupid is and stupid does. The Top of Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by The Top of Wrestling Podcast. Your hosts are The Professor, Mark Fantasia, and ODM, Joe Rizzo, with special weekly segments by Nightwing the Analyst, Rashawn Hilton. Without your continued support, it would just be some guys talking wrestling. Feel free to interact with the show on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and by email at thetopofwrestling at gmail.com. Take a break. All right. Oh, yeah. Pisser time. Oh, yeah. Beef jerky time. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but good luck. <laughs>